Hi there, friends. In our last session, we started looking at how love behaves. What does it look like in real life? We saw that it is patient and kind. It is never envious or jealous. What else is it? Get your Bibles and let's talk about it. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're around verses 4 and 5 in there today. And beginning in verse 4, the Apostle Paul lists 15 action words in the Greek language that describe agape love, the kind of love that God the Father has for us, for the whole world, and the kind of love that is imparted to us by the Holy Spirit when he comes to indwell us when we're saved. It is a beautiful description here in 1 Corinthians 13 of the perfection of agape love. So these are behaviors of love. And even though sometimes in our language they look like nouns or adjectives, they're really verbs. These are not things that we feel. These are choices of behavior. These are things that we do. So the list begins with patience and kindness and then it begins a list of eight things that love is not. And so the first one is that love envieth not. Love is not jealous. And so now we come to the second in the list of love is not. And here he says, love vaunteth not itself. That's in the King James Bible. Love vaunteth not itself. That's a fancy word, isn't it? That's not a word that we use a whole lot in our culture. I don't use the word uh, very much at all. But it, this kind of fancy word means to brag, to brag. So we can say, Love, agape love, doesn't brag. It is not boastful. It does not parade itself. It doesn't show off. Itself is a key word here. Because once you start thinking about itself, 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 then it becomes self-centered, self-oriented, which is nothing like God. Boasting is an outgrowth of pride. And we know that pride is the root of all sin. So agape love doesn't have anything to do with boastfulness and pride and parading itself. Love that boasts of loving or that brags about loving is not agape love. It's not love at all. Because why? It's self-centered. Agape love is others-centered. So notice the statement that comes next in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Now these two may seem like the same thing, but they're really, really not. Uh, love vaunteth not itself or love is not boastful has to do with bragging. It has to do with verbalizing pride. This being puffed up means to be inflated, inflated, to be blown up with pride. This is the attitude, the heart attitude of pride and conceit. It's 
down inside us instead of just on our mouths. So love vaunteth not is on my mouth, is not puffed up, has to do with what's in my heart. It's in my inside. So this vaunting or bragging comes from a root word that means windbag, windbag. So it's hot air that comes out of the mouth of a proud or conceited heart. This is the only place the word is used in the New Testament. That's interesting, isn't it? So love is not always blabbing on about its own accomplishments. Agape love does not try to make me look better than you. Agape love is about trying to make you look your best, the best of all. It's others centered. So it is interesting that here in verse four, he says, love doesn't envy and love doesn't brag. Did you see that? Love envieth not, in this translation, or love doesn't envy and love doesn't brag. Envy is wanting what other people have. And bragging is about making other people want what you have. So they're not the same thing. Bragging is to make somebody jealous of you. Bragging is to make somebody feel like you're superior to them or they're superior to you. That's the opposite of agape love. Agape love takes the role of a servant. And so love then never brags, and it never blows its own horn. Paul is writing because the Corinthians were a bunch of spiritual show-offs. When he writes this, it's to correct where the Corinthians were the things that were wrong in the Corinthian church. These Corinthians were inconsiderate of each other. They were vying for positions. They were constantly bragging. They wanted all the showy gifts so that they could perform them. They even bragged about their worldliness and their idolatry and their immorality. So their pride took the place of their repentance. And so Paul comes in here and says, look, you're missing love. You've got all of the gifts, but without love, they are, what did he say early in the chapter? Nothing. Without love, they are nothing. And so without love, they were bragging, they were worldly, they were satisfied with their idolatry and their immorality, but there was no repentance. There was no sorrow or identifying their sin. And so... Paul is saying that in the body of Christ, in the body of believers, there's no place for boasting. There's no place for bragging. Jesus never bragged. If anybody ever had a cause to brag, who would it have been? It would have been Jesus. And so he never did, and he is our model in everything. So if Jesus never bragged, we don't need to brag. Because God's goal, God's heart for us is what? To be like Jesus. So we will follow Jesus' example. So Paul's telling the Corinthians that they had no love because love is not puffed up and it does not brag. And they were doing both. And so he says, let me tell you what love looks like. This is what agape love looks like. Love is patient. Love is kind. Uh, love does not 
seek its own way. Let's see, I jumped ahead. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. And love is not arrogant. So he's defining for them and the definition of the love that they're supposed to be displaying. He's defining for them their sin. And so then in verse 5, there's an interesting word. This, this translation says, love does not act unbecomingly. Love does not act unbecomingly. King James, I believe, says, does not behave itself unseemly. That's old English, isn't it? You know what it is. Love doesn't misbehave. Love doesn't misbehave. Here's what it really means, and, and this helps me a lot sometimes to put it with, in this kind of simplicity. Love is never rude. Love is not rude. It's never ill-mannered. It doesn't behave in an unbecoming manner. Um, this is perhaps not as serious a fault as arrogance or envy, but it too comes from lovelessness. So the root sin in this whole thing here is lovelessness. It's when we don't have the kind of love, don't demonstrate the kind of love that God has for us. So this love, this, this sin, this verse 5 does not misbehave, is not rude. It doesn't care enough for those around it to act gracefully or to act becomingly. doesn't care if it offends you. That's not God's love. The loveless person is insensitive and careless and overbearing and sometimes crude. So Paul is saying, this is not a picture of God's love. When you engage in these things, these, are not, these things are not showing others what God is like. What is love? Love is polite and courteous and careful and well-mannered. So for me, I just, that's a thought that I have from time to time about myself and about dealing with some situations is God's love is not rude. God's love is not rude. And when you see somebody being rude, and that's kind of a thing today, isn't it? I mean, people don't think much today about being rude, but when you see rude, you know that that is not God's love. That is not the way God's love behaves. Next in verse 5 is it does not seek its own. It does not seek its own. Uh, literally translated, that means that love does not seek its own way. Uh, Do you ever play with two, three, four-year-olds and each one of them wants his own way? Paul says God's love doesn't do that. This is the opposite of self-seeking. So remember that agape is always about the other person, okay? So agape love is not selfish. It's not self-centered. It does not demand its own rights. It is not looking to get its own way. So this love, God's love, seeks the welfare of others. This is probably the key to everything. Um, it's this self-emptying capacity of God's love. The New Testament talks about that when it talks about Jesus emptying himself. It was never about him. It was always about how he was going to serve the Father, and he served the Father by serving others. Um, remember that when Jesus summarized the commandments, he says, really, they're just two. 
Love the Lord God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. This is the first commandment. Second one is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You're going to be other-centered when God's love is controlling your heart and your mind. And your mind is what controls your behavior. Okay? So these are choices of behavior. And so this love does not seek its own way. It seeks the welfare of others. Um, It's the meaning of the daily cross in our lives. You know, when Jesus says... um, Take up your cross daily and follow me. This is what he's talking about. It's a moment by moment surrendering to doing things the way God wants them done instead of the way I want them done. So this agape self-will, this agape love is not self-willed, not self-willed at all. It is the opposite of self-will. And so as I die daily, as I take up my cross daily, what I'm doing is yielding up my own will. I'm putting my own will aside to do God's will. Love does not seek its own way. The root of the sin nature is wanting to have its own way. Uh, For years now, that has really spoken to my heart because sometimes we want to make sin difficult to define. Uh, You know, um, we know of uh, robbery and thievery and all of those horrible things. And so when we when we talk about repentance, you think, well, I'm not going to rob anybody. I never have. I'm not going to steal from anybody. I never have. I'm not going to kill anybody. I never have. So where's my sin? Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Get this. Each has turned to his own way. That's the essence of sin. When I choose my way, I don't care what it's about. It could could be something simple. If God tells me, to take a loaf of bread across the street to my neighbor and I choose not to do it, I've chosen my own way. And whenever we choose our own way, we're going astray from God's will and we're sinning. We're sinning. That's what Adam and Eve did. Adam and Eve heard God's way. Don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Eve thought, well, you know what? Uh, This serpent over here has got a pretty good idea about this. You know, God might be holding out on me. I don't really know um, maybe how I can trust his word. I'm not sure she analyzed it that far. She just ate it. But when she did, she did her own way instead of God's way. That is the root of sin. It's not all of these bad things that we try to avoid. It's just doing my own way. So when self is God, it is natural or instinctive for us as people to just guard our own rights. Well, I'm not going to let you step on my toes. You're not going to get in front of me. And so when you don't get in front of me, or you're not going to pull in front of me in that, in that lane going down this interstate, what am I doing? I'm being self-centered. I'm being self-centered. 
We see that a lot. It, it, is, it is instinctive to our sin nature. We, we don't have to plan to do that. We, we don't even really have to think about it. It's just something that so often just happens because it's our attitude until as God is changing our hearts to be controlled with this mindset and these behaviors, then it begins to show up and we identify it quicker so that we can deal with it before the Lord quicker. You know, Christ didn't live that way. Christ didn't live that way. When we become Christians, we are to put on Christ. And as the Holy Spirit indwells us as believers, remember from our previous studies, whenever you're saved, what happens immediately is that the Holy Spirit indwells you. If he didn't, you wouldn't be saved. Okay? You'd be just like you were. So the Holy Spirit indwells every believer and he imparts to us because he is there and he is fully the character and the mind and the heart of God because he is in us. We have the capacity, that self-emptying capacity that Jesus always demonstrated. We just have to use, learn to recognize it and use it. So love finds its joy. This kind of love, agape love, finds its joy in serving others. And that needs to always be on our mind. It's, it's what we do. It's how we think. Um, Self-second. Okay? And so recently I, I read a story that was um, told a long time ago. You'll recognize it that part by the details of the story. Um, and the story went, went something like this. It spoke to my heart. There was this... Um, uniformed chauffeur who drove up to a cemetery carrying a lady who was too ill to walk. Her health was deteriorating and a minister was the caretaker of this seminary and he walked cemetery <laughs> cemetery and he walked over to the car at the chauffeur's request and he peered into the vehicle and he saw this frail elderly woman whose sunken eyes revealed this deep hurt and deep loneliness. And so she spoke to the minister, the caretaker of the cemetery. And every week for the last two years, she said, she's reminding him, I've been sending you a $5 bill in the mail for flowers to be put on my loved one's grave. And the minister acknowledged that he remembered that he had received the money, that he had been putting flowers on this grave. And so she went on saying, I came today because my doctors have let me know I only have a few weeks left to live. And there's nothing to live for anyway. So I just wanted to come have one last look at the grave. Well, the caregiver said, you know, ma'am, I'm really very sorry that you've been sending money for these flowers. She said, sorry? And he said, yes, ma'am, because the flowers don't last very long and no one ever comes here to see them anyway. And she said, do you realize what you're saying? He said, yes, ma'am, I do. You see, I belong to a visiting society that visits in hospitals, and asylums, people in places like that. And those people dearly love flowers. 
And whenever they get some, they look at them and they smell them and they smell them and they enjoy them and it makes their day. There are people living in places like that, the caretaker said to this lady. The woman sat in silence for a few minutes and then without saying a word, she just signaled her chauffeur to drive away. Well, a few months later, the cemetery caregiver was astonished when this woman came driving herself into the cemetery. She drove up to him and said, I've been taking flowers to people like myself in the hospitals. Smiling, she said, you were right. It does make them happy and it makes me happy. The doctors don't know what's making me well, but I do. I have somebody else to live for. I have somebody else to live for. Now she maybe didn't know the words, but she was living for Jesus. Because Jesus said what? You are my hands and feet. You are my mouth. It is through you that I'm going to take flowers to people in the hospital or people who are shut in. Because Jesus said what? The Son of Man did not come to be ministered unto, but to minister. And that's the whole heart. That's the whole gist of this does not seek its own way. The word seek is interesting because what are we doing? We're looking for a place to encourage somebody, to lift somebody up, to help somebody. And Jesus also said, bear ye one another's burdens. There are a lot of people in our world today, and even though they may be in a group of people, they are lonely. They're living alone in the midst of a group of people. And to get to that place where we understand that we have somebody else to live for, it doesn't have to be a spouse. It doesn't have to be a child. It's going to be that next person that the Lord Jesus shows you, that he quickens your mind and heart to, that you can do something for, that you can give a helping hand to. Love never seeks its own way. It's always seeking somebody else's. So, so far, what do we know from what we studied in 1 Corinthians 13? We know that love is patient. Love is kind. It is never envious. It does not brag. And it is not proud. Love is not rude. But is polite and courteous. Love does not seek its own well-being. It does not seek its own way. This prompts some questions that I have to ask myself. First one is, do I ever consider my importance and feel myself to be irreplaceable? Something I learned a long time ago was the world got along just fine before I was born. And it will get along just fine after I'm gone. We all are replaceable. God has a plan and he's only put us here for a generation. Second thing is, 
do I think my sins are not as bad as somebody else's? Do I think it's worse for them to do it than it is for me to do it? Do I say please and thank you? Don't hear that much today. Not always. Um, do it to your family. Do it to your children. Do it to strangers. It's amazing how it will change the perspective of a situation for you to just be polite. Now sometimes I know it's not really what you want to do. You might want to stomp their toe. But Jesus wouldn't do that. He would say, please and thank you. I'm sorry. Please excuse me. He wouldn't just pull out in front of somebody. He wouldn't just walk in front of a car in a parking lot without looking and expect somebody else to be responsible for it. Politeness. Love is never rude. What about good table manners? Some people are encouraged by proper good manners when they see somebody else doing it. Maybe they're not used to it, but I guess my thought would be, you know, it's possible to do that. It's possible to do that. It's possible to live that way. What are we doing that? So that we don't offend others. We're not going to push in front. We're not going to try to get the most food. We're not going to be sure that I get my belly full regardless of what anybody else gets done around here. Love doesn't do that. Love is going to sometimes wait till the end of the line. But if it's not at the end of the line, it's going to get what is appropriate with consideration for the other people around them. Do I allow another person to enter a door ahead of me? You know, I'm female. I don't think one thing, I have not one negative thought about opening the door for a gentleman. You know, sometimes, and you've got elderly people, you've got people with handicaps, that it's very, very difficult for them sometimes to open a door and get in or to get out, especially with a cart of groceries. What would Jesus do? What does agape love look like? What does it look like in that situation? Am I courteous to public speakers? You ever listen to somebody speaking and while you're there, maybe you're bored and so you're working with your iPhone or another kind of phone. Do we ever do that? Or do we ever yawn and act like, are you ever going to get done? Rude. Love is not rude. Is my life controlled by my self-will or by God's will? Am I dying daily? And all of that is tied to this because, again, these are not emotions. You will not find one feeling in these verses. And so what this is saying is no matter how I feel about it, then I need to choose to be patient, kind, humble. Next week we'll look at not easily angered, not easily provoked. The world's full of that stuff which means that the world is full of the absence of God's love. Only God's people can fix it. Do you know that God's people are the only ones that can do this because of the presence of the Holy Spirit? So the Christian can change the atmosphere of the situation 
by these love behaviors right here. Let's pray. Father, I've got a long way to go with some of these things. Help me to be the person that you want me to be. Help me to stay focused on these attributes of your love and to use them, to perform them the way you would. Help us to treat others the way you want us to treat them. Help us to treat others the way we want to be treated. Help us to be like Jesus. Amen.